Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Boca Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz, and it is good to have you here today. Uh, we're doing four live streams this week, and uh, this is number two. And I'm really, really excited about this for multiple reasons, actually. I'm going to introduce our brand new guest here in just a second, but a couple of quick housekeeping notes before we get started. For those of you that may be live streaming on YouTube or on Facebook, don't be shy. Join the conversation today. Don't hesitate to say hello, ask questions. Um, you can send us funny emojis if you want to, but be part of the conversation. We'd love to have you part of the conversation. And then for those of you that are listening to the audio version of, the, of this, excuse me, after the fact, don't be shy either. Come back, join us, hang out for these live streams. We're on YouTube and Facebook at Boca Podcast. And uh, if you follow us on Instagram at Boca Podcast, B-O-K-E-H Podcast, on Instagram, you can keep up to date with the latest upcoming live streams. So come join us, hang out with us, and uh, be part of the conversation. Would the love to have you here. And then, last quick note, as I promised before every episode, I made a donation to Charity Water. I pop up the receipt there on screen. But this is just an encouragement to everybody, and yet again, a reminder for myself to continue to look for opportunities to give back, whether it's to our local community, national, international organizations. Let's take advantage of opportunities to give. All right. Well, I would love to introduce our brand new guest who is here with me today. Lisa, Lisa Aihara is here with me. Lisa, thank you for hanging out with us in the podcast today. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. Very excited. Well, I, me too. And it's, it's truly a privilege to have you here. We were actually chatting, getting to know each other a little bit before we got started. And uh, then also briefly talking about the topic that we're going to get into today. We're going to talk about branding, which we talk about quite a bit here on the podcast but we're looking at it from a little bit of a different angle and your strong opinion on an, the infusion of personality or persona into the brand, which I'm excited to dig into. So we're going to get to that here in just a little bit, but talk to us a little bit about your specialty. It's not very often that we have a guest on the podcast who's not a photographer as their primary specialty. So share with us your brand position and what you do as a business. Yeah, of course. So I'm a strategic brand designer and I help entrepreneurs grow their business by getting them to stop hiding behind generic branding and instead make an emotional connection with their customers through a branding that looks like them and no one else. And I love that you introduced me as a brand new guest because I'm also a sucker for puns. <laughs> Fair play. Well done. I, I totally went over my head. So yeah, <laughs> good catch there. But I, I, as you're talking about your brand, I want to go ahead and share and I've pulled up your, your website oh, here on screen for everybody who is live streaming Alette Studio. Am I pronouncing that correctly, Lisa? That That's right. It rhymes with baguette. Okay. Alette. You've probably had to say that a few times. <laughs> E-L-L-E-T-T-E -E, and then studio.com. We'll link to this in the show notes at bocapodcast.com for everybody listening in and watching. And I'll go ahead and men mention as well Alette Studio on Instagram. Make sure you follow Lisa there as well. But Lisa, to your point, and, and I love this. One of the things we talk about is the significance of brand position above the fold where everybody can see it immediately when they come to your site and you've got it right there. Branding that looks like you and no one else. And talk to me a little bit about how you came up with that position statement. Yeah, so a lot of the work that I do is sort of hand-drawn, right? So you could kind of see behind me too. Um, I'm an artist by trade. I do hand lettering. So one thing that I really wanted to hone in on um, as my style and what I do that's different is that everything is handmade and it's uniquely you. And I think that as entrepreneurs, one of really the biggest things um, that makes us different from our competitors is 
us, right? And our own personality and mm-hmm. how that's reflected in the branding. So that's kind of why I wanted to make sure that everyone knows these are stuff that's not manufactured or mass produced or, you know, mm-hmm. just fonts out of the box. It's, it's going to look like you and no one else. That's beautiful. Okay. And I hadn't put two and two together. So that work behind you represents kind of brainstorming for the sake of the work that you're doing. Yeah, so this is all like past stuff that I've done, you know, little illustrations. Um, I come from a wedding background, so I used to do wedding stationery, and that's sort of how I got into the art bit of it. Um, Before that, in my past life, I was doing digital marketing, and this was sort of the creative avenue that I had. And yeah, it's all kind of coming full circle where I get to bring in my MBA background, you know, the art stuff that I like to do, and yeah, coming all together. It's beautiful. And that's really, really cool, actually. And by the way, I'm just noticing the colors and I'll I'll go full screen on you again so everybody can see if to your I guess it'd be to your right behind you, you've got that color palette that matches Mm -hmm. the color palette on your website. And I'll pull that up here really quick so everybody can see. But that's really cool just to see firsthand that work that you're doing. Yeah, so this is this became a pattern for the website, and yeah, it's kind of these are like my happy colors. I really believe in the power of color, um, mm. especially when it comes to branding. So I love that um, it's around me all the time. That's really cool. Okay, I know we could park there for a long time. We're gonna keep going. <laughs> yeah. Transition to kind of a different type of question. Talk to me about customer experience. Of course, this is a, an element of running a business that is something we all share, regardless of whether it's a photography business or a branding studio or otherwise. What is the driving factor or big idea behind the customer experience that you provide for your clients? You know, I think, you know, like you were saying, photographers can relate to this too. What we do is a people business, right? We're service providers. And I think one of the proudest moments that I have when running my business is when um, I get referrals. And that's, I've been very lucky to have a lot of my work coming in as referrals. And being that person that my past clients can sort of entrust their friends to is the ultimate compliment. And that's what I strive for. Mm. Um, and that only comes from great customer experience, right? Like even if we deliver something amazing, if the experience was awful, like no one's going to refer you. Mm. And that makes it a smart business move. And mm also like a way to be a decent human being which yeah. another thing we could strive for side note that might be something good that we should all be doing yeah 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 you know <laughs> just just a little thought starter there <laughs> yeah. be decent okay so give me an example like a tangible example of something that you do regularly in interaction with your clients that helps bring those word-of-mouth referrals um, I try to treat every, pro- and I think it's like a mindset thing for me, um, treating every project, whether I knew them before or not, as if I am working with a friend, right? And those come in place in little things like don't get annoyed if someone texts you a question, like instead be really, really, you know, helpful with that. Um, answering questions with that sort of kindness Mm. and coming from a place of like helping instead Mm -hmm. of, Oh my God, like what is she talking about? Or like, you know, Oh, another email that I have to answer. It's always like, Oh, you know, every interaction becomes a conversation becomes um, an opportunity to serve. And I think that really translates into um, a much better experience. Well, and, a bit ironically, or maybe not so ironically, not just for the client, but for us too, right? It's that mentality. If, if we go into it with cynicism and annoyance and frustration to begin with, it sets a whole different tone, not only for the client, but for us, the, the, yeah. the experience that we have serving the client. Yeah. It, I think it, they call it like self, um, what is it like enlightened self-interest, right? When mm. you are doing something for yourself, it also serves your customers. Um, one 
example that I remember was with like Arrowhead water bottles. They had released a bottle. I think they were one of the first ones to do a like 40% recycled material or something mm. like that. And that became like a really big marketing point for them. But it also saved them money when you're using recycled material. So just because it's serving you doesn't mean that it's not serving the customer and um, vice versa. And I think that yeah. when you approach every experience like that, it becomes like a lot easier to keep up to because no one wants to do anything that's like a shit show and a half for you to yeah. have to do. Yeah. No, it's, it's a great point. Um, and I was, I just saw a clip today somewhere on social media and the person was talking about how there is a tendency for people to be miserable doing the thing that they feel like they have to do. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it, and this is stereotypically played out in the corporate world in particular, where people feel like they're just going in, you know, checking in, doing a job, going home. It doesn't really have any relevance to them. They're just trying to make a little bit of money, pay the bills. And they mm -hmm. feel like they're having to do it. The moment we we shift the mindset from we have to do this thing to I get to do this thing is a friend of mine, Sean uh, Austin, who talks about this quite a bit. I think it really makes a difference, again, not only in the attitude that we bring to the customer experience, but then also our experience as business owners. So I, I'm glad you brought this up. It's a great reminder. Totally. I love that. So shifting gears yet again, talk to me about time management and balancing the world of business ownership and then having a life for yourself and the important people in your life. What does that look like? How do you go about that? Yeah, this one is a big one for me too, because I'm a work at home mom. I have no childcare, but I have a three-year-old and a 10 month old baby. So I don't goodness. have any time. Oh my God. Wow. I know. I don't know. I don't know how I'm alive. Um, so one thing that I've sort of learned along the way is it's all about prioritizing. Um, mm. And that's sort of worked for me, like breaking down, right? Like my yearly goal into a monthly, weekly, uh, daily bits so that I can know the difference between something, something that is just a task versus something that's going to be a move that puts me a step towards building something and then kind of working accordingly and um, planning my day accordingly. And I think that's that's a really key thing. And it may seem simplistic to those that are listening in or watching, but the idea of focusing on the tasks that we know will move our business, even, even an inch or two, those proactive tasks, the work that actually helps our business grow, focusing, kind of weighting our efforts and our time and energy on those things it really makes a big difference. And again, not just in moving our business forward, but to our earlier conversation and enabling us, allowing us to enjoy the work a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, because those are usually the stuff that gets us excited, right? It, yeah, right. But, and then the flip side of that, I think too, is you know the reality of running a business, which is occasionally there's some busy work that has to be done. But I'm curious, even, I mean, we talk quite a bit about outsourcing delegation in the photography mm -hmm. industry as a branding studio owner, owner, is this something, is delegation, is that a concept that you've practiced at all or experimented with as a business owner? Not at the moment yet, just because I also enjoy some of the admin stuff. Like yeah. for me, because my personal life is so chaotic, having those tasks within my business that is a little bit mind-numbing if you will kind of like busy mm, work mm -hmm. does put me in a certain um, mindset i think that okay. does help to focus on other things but i think you know delegating stuff that i don't want to do anymore if ever those tasks become um energy sucks then yeah. those will be the first things to go for sure that makes sense that makes sense um okay switching gears yet again and then we're going to get into branding mm -hmm. conversation here mm -hmm. but talk to me about a favorite business book self-help book maybe both if you'd like that comes to mind a recommendation you would want to make to our audience 
Yeah, I mean, everything Brene Brown. I She is the closest thing to self-help that I've read, and she is just absolutely brilliant. I, hmm. I think I saw that you guys had um, Daring Greatly and Dare to Lead was mm-hmm. on your bookshelf, I believe. Um, so I wanted to throw in the OG, The Power of Vulnerability, which is okay. technically not a book. Um, it's a recording of one of her seminars, I believe. Hmm. But um, I, I love that she gives vocabulary to what we intuitively know um, through living the human experience. Okay, okay. But she lays it out in a way that allows us to talk about it, right? Because she gives us words um, for it. And she's an absolutely brilliant speaker. She's lovely to listen to. So I would totally throw that in. Now, this is interesting to me. And I think it's actually going to be a really good segue to our conversation about branding and talking about the significance of personality and branding. But you strike me, Lisa, and I, I don't know you very well. We just met today, but I, oh, you strike me as somebody like who is super practical, no bullshit, like just calls it as it is. And I yeah. like that. I like that about people. Um, I, I'm trying to be more of that myself in, in some ways, I guess. But to that to that extent, I, that's I think it's one of the hard the things that I've had a hard time with about Brene's is, is that. I feel like when I listen to her speak, and I haven't read her books, um, and this is largely why, to be honest, when I hear her speak, I feel like she's trying to work through stuff as she's speaking. Like a lot of her own issues are kind of coming out in the conversation. And I realize the value of that, the significance of that, and and kind of making herself relevant to the people she's speaking to. But I also feel like I'm having to kind of carry her baggage while I'm listening to her give advice about those same issues. And it it seems kind of, I don't know, I have a hard time with it. What, What are your thoughts about that? That's really interesting. I guess it's the difference, right, in the way that we view people who are giving us information. And I, the what I'm taking away from that is that you enjoy or you would like to get information from someone who has that sort of distance, maybe, and authority, right, with like a podium of respect mm. in between. Um, and with, I guess, the way that I see Brene Brown is exactly the way you're kind of talking about. And I like that she's sort of participating in it with me. It almost okay. feels like, you know, like we're, what we're doing, it's a conversation, it's, yeah. you know, feels real. And it, it feels like she's not approaching it completely clinically um, okay. or just theoretically and okay. that, you know, these are real things and tangible things and that she's almost demonstrating. And so that's why I kind of like that. So it's really interesting, though, that that's um, a take that you have on that. It's interesting. <laughs> interesting the, is a very kind might, way to put it. No, no, it is, though. And I think you might like her book because okay. she's, you know, obviously like written them down and she does read the way she speaks, but hmm. in a more storytelling way where she has it sort of um, or the narrative laid out a little bit better. That makes sense. Yeah, I guess maybe I'm too idealistic or maybe there's some other issues. But but when I hear somebody like the people that I tend to, I guess, have more respect for are the ones mm-hmm. that are standing up there and do have a sense of authority. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I don't I don't think that they're perfect or they have it all put together, but yeah. they at least give a sense that they have figured some things out and they've kind of got their stuff together. And I'm hearing from somebody who has figured enough out that it makes sense that they're telling me that I should go do these things. And that, that experience with Brene has, has been different. And I guess that's that's what's made me apprehensive about that brand. But you're right. I guess that is the value in Brene is that she is vulnerable and relevant mm-hmm. to those that she's speaking to simultaneously has learned something through that and is able to share. 
Yeah, and that's you know the difference in sort of brand messaging too, and which is a nice little segue. It, it is a perfect segue. Today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm glad it worked out this way. So let's get to that, and we're going to talk for those of you listening in who may be chiming in a little bit later, and we have some of those uh, who are live streaming with us on YouTube uh, or Facebook or both. And uh, you all, please don't hesitate to to chime in and ask Lisa questions as we go along or comment along the way. But uh, Lisa, we're going to talk about the infusion of personality in mm-hmm. branding. And this is an interesting topic to me, and and I I love that you're the one I'm talking to about this because again I I love your your persona, your personality, the way that you approach conversation. Leading up to our conversation today, you had mentioned discussing how you like to help people infuse personality in design, positioning, messaging for the sake of emotional connection with customers, and. This is, I mean, it's an interesting topic to me because I've actually been in the industry long enough, the photography industry specifically, to actually see the move into placing Mm -hmm. importance or significance on personality and the personal brand element. And at at the same time, I get the sense, especially in the last few years, that there's been this move to an extreme side of that where Mm -hmm. there's so much kind of fluff that it gets in the way of just getting to the point speaking yeah. about value proposition for the sake of the client, not forcing them to spend 15 minutes reading through stuff that really is irrelevant to what it is that they're looking for. So I, I'm yep, curious yep. just to kind of get your take, initial take on that, I guess that trajectory and where we're at mm-hmm. at the moment and what what does a healthy balance look like? Yeah, you know, I, I love that you bring that up because that's definitely sort of been the specific trend, I think. And, you know, the reason why that works for some reason for some people is because that is their brand. And it just so happens to match, you know, that style. Right. Okay. But and but not everyone is like that. Like if you're a naturally shy person. For example, like having, you know, a brand that seems like your guns blazing, like super casual, like, oh, I love charcuterie boards and, you know, I have a messy bun, like is not going to work because those are not the types of things that you would talk about, say, if you were having a regular conversation with someone, right? Um, And so infusing your personality into your brand means doing it in a way that is sort of driving your strategy, right? There's a difference between having your personality drive your strategy versus just talking about yourself, which is sort of what you're um, alluding to, just having this laundry list of cute little details about yourself. I wish we could just like, and we will actually, we're going to go back and we're going to clip that line that you just said, because I think it's (laughs) so beautifully summed up that the significance of strategy first mm-hmm. and now that guides the way that we kind of combine the call to action, the attempt to actually yeah. convert a, a potential client through a, a clear value proposition. And mm-hmm. of course the infusion of personality. I think it's so important though, that, that that is established first and you, you yeah. kind of glazed over it, but it, that's, that's a, that's a gem, absolute gem. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So, you know, like, uh, let's try to, j- change that perspective where you know you're not just writing that you love charcuterie boards for the sake of writing it like maybe it manifests instead in a way where you're talking about your love for connection or for gathering with friends right that's maybe what you love about charcuterie boards and how that could drive your strategy instead of just telling people about that um, or the messy bun thing could be about, you know, being a mom and not having time to spend on yourself, but you'd rather serve clients. Like those are the kinds of things where if that is your strategy, then that's a detail that will help to drive that. Mm. But if that's not your brand positioning, instead you have a positioning of, you know, I have my stuff together, like, 
you know, I'm here to, as an expert to serve you, then messy button and charcuterie would be out the door, right? So that's, <laughs> right. So that's kind of the difference between, you know, infusing personality or being cute for the sake of just yes. being cute or, yes. you know, vulnerable for the sake of just talking about how, what a mess you are and how that's amazing. <laughs> like, like that works for my brand because that's sort of the position that I have, right? Like I like to approach um, my clients as a friend, as someone who is going to be there with them and have that connection. Um, so that works for me, but that's not going to work for everybody. And that's okay because mm. that's not who you are. But I, I guess there are earlier conversation um, mm -hmm. about Brene. I, I don't feel when I'm interacting like you, I, I, I love that you're just as you are. You kind of say it as it is, call it as, as you think. But I don't feel like I'm carrying the weight of your baggage. Ooh. Whereas I, what I see in our industry quite a bit is to your point, kind of people putting stuff out there, being quote unquote vulnerable for the sake of being vulnerable. Yeah. And, it, and it really feels at that point more like an attention grab than mm. anything else. And mm -hmm, so I, mm -hmm. I just, I love this balance that you're suggesting, which is, all right, let's be clear first what it is that we're trying to actually accomplish with our brand. And yeah. then we can decide how to kind of balance that infusion of personality with a clear call to action and make sure that they work together for the sake of the overarching goals. I, I think that's mm -hmm. just a great balance. Yeah, and when you have strategy drive it, then you're able to make that distinction of, am I just talking about myself here? Or am I saying something that is going to serve my client and let them know that I'm the person for them? I, we got a comment on Facebook from Kala. She says, I'm excited for this topic. I'm a big advocate of infusing your brand with your personality. I find it helps attract my target demographic ideal client, and it's much more true to me. So I don't feel like I'm putting on a facade when I represent myself. Listening intently to you, Lisa. Thanks for Aww. listening, Kala. Thank you. Oh my God. I love that she talks about the facade because we do tend to do that, right? I want to say that it's might be like a reaction to like the whole imposter syndrome thing where we like mm. stand a little bit taller, like pinky up, like put on our <laughs> business owner outfit almost, yeah. which again works for some people. Some people are very professional when they're approaching their business. Some people are not. And I think the big part about infusing your personality is showing up as the person that you are and not the person that you think you have to be, whether that have to be becomes the profession, overly professional or the overly casual. Like if neither of them are you, then it's not going to work for you. So when we talk about looking for this combination of personality and then mm -hmm. a clear brand position, which we talked about your brand position earlier is pretty straightforward is should we be trying to combine those two in the actual messaging and the copy or do we have a brand position and then mix our personality into the rest of the site what does that actually look like practically so practically i think that it because so i come from a language background so i was a liter literature and writing um, major and so like language and words are mm. like a really big part for me okay. so i think it's really an understanding the vocabulary right so every word kind of counts like whether you are using specific words to describe your unique value proposition um how you're describing your customers um using that thesaurus to find that perfect word is i think what's going to help you drive <laughs> right, that balance and finding out 
the way that you talk about yourself because okay. the language is literally the tool that we use to do that. So even something like, you know, the difference between fun and playful, right? Joyful and happy. Like those all have very specific connotations to it. And understanding that and understanding which words describe your brand, I think is going to help you sort of write those mission statements, write those website copies um, and understand that specific point of view that you bring into your business. And I think that's like the critical piece of that. Okay. So a couple of questions along those lines. Mm -hmm. One, you, you mentioned a thesaurus. Uh, I'm a regular user of thesauruses. There's one in particular <laughs> called powerthesaurus.org. Uh, I think it's just a quick website um, search, but, and we, we can link to that in the show notes for anybody listening in, but I just found it super helpful. The, 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 the various options that it gives me when I search for a particular word, because I'm, I'm like you, I'm very much keyed into words, not only the words that, that I write, for example, for our, our site, or various brands, but even the words that I say, I'm super intentional about that. Mm. And I think that's really important. How, how do photographers, because there's a tendency in the photography industry to use a lot of the same words. Like you could probably find 20, 25 words that um, are mixed in, in some form or fashion to brand positions or some form of brand position statement on photographers, you know, 80% of photographers websites, let's just say throwing mm -hmm. a, word, a, a number out there. So how can they proactively go about using tools like a thesaurus to, to make sure that they're not saying a lot of the same thing that other photographers, whether in their market or otherwise. I think, you know, an exercise that you can do sometimes, um, this happens with art too, like copying something is actually the first step to finding out what your own style is. So list out the value propositions that maybe you think you're copying and pasting from other people okay. and rewrite it using a thesaurus, right? Like take uh, these specific words, find a word that fits you better and then say it out loud. Like you would be surprised how many people have these website copies that they would never ever be caught dead saying with their own voice. Right, right. So right. You, right. So if you say it out loud and it feels weird, like that's not your voice, yeah. like literally. Yes. So rewrite other people's valid propositions, make it your style. And then as you're kind of doing that exercise, I think you'll realize what you're changing, what feels more like you, and you'll see where you are reflected in that. That's great. Super practical. And I really appreciate that, that suggestion. Okay. So I want to go to brand design. We're, we're kind of jumping around okay. a little bit. Um, I, I really appreciate your commentary on that, that I think a really healthy balance between personality and clear calls to action and, and position statements. Let's talk about the building blocks of brand design. You mentioned to us ahead of time that there are four building blocks, and I'd love for you to share those with our listeners, kind of explain what they mean. Yeah. So the four are logo, colors, fonts and photos. Um, I like to throw in patterns and illustrations as a nice bonus just to make your life easier. But honestly, if you have those four, you are good to go and you can have a very strong, cohesive, professional, put together design. Um, and you would be surprised to hear that logo is actually not the most important part. Um, oh. I don't think. Okay. Really, color and photos have a much bigger sort of visual weight to them. And I think with photographers, you guys have a really good advantage where color and photos are like your jam, right? Like that's kind of built in with the stuff that you do. Yeah. Um, and that is going to be used more often. And if you have a strong vision there, you are going to be fine. Okay. So you said logo tends to not be as important as people think. I, I mm -hmm. think for photographers, maybe one of the reasons that, that we put a lot of weight on logos or have over the years is because we are such visual individuals. And so this thing that's going to represent our brand, in addition to our pretty photos, we better have a pretty logo. That's maybe kind of the thought process, right? Mm -hmm. But why would you say it carries less weight than some may expect? 
So when we're talking about the way that your branding actually manifests, like it's, you know, say your Instagram feed or on your website and you are not going to have your logo on every post all the time. Your logo has, is at the top of your website, but the rest of it, right, is graphics and images and copy. Like the, the logo is almost like a person's face. If we're talking about the branding as a person, the logo is the face. So obviously most recognizable, right? Like you think of the person with that face. And it's really important to have that be strong. But if you have a pretty face and you're kind of like wearing awful clothes or you're like a nightmare to work with or your voice is really off-putting, then you're not going to have a great visual experience. Okay. Um, in that same way, I think that a logo is important, but having those other parts sort of carry it together is when you have the most successful um, branding design. Well, yeah, when I think about the website, it really is such a small percentage, even even on the homepage, you land on the homepage above the fold, that that little tiny logo is such a small percentage of what people are actually looking at. So that that makes sense too, practically. I know we're going to talk a little bit more in detail about colors here in just a second. So we'll come back to that font this is a this is a big one and again i think Mm -hmm. photographers and by the way i was super guilty of it my first my first photography brand uh company and business was called expressive photography and i I wish i I should have prepped this so i could share it with everybody but funny that laughable name looking back on it now but even funnier was the font that we used to represent that brand it was this super scripty kind of like old time scripty (laughs) exactly i love the response it was terrible but anyway all this to say photographers still i think are making the mistake of using fonts that aren't super legible when somebody lands on their site and some may have to kind of squint their eyes a little bit to to read that font what's your take on font the significance of font as it relates to branding so font is right literally the tool that you use um when you're talking about yourself um, especially in a digital space like that so you have to be able to read it and from a practical perspective, honestly, if you can read it, it could be anything. It just has to be okay. consistent is okay. uh, is the big thing for me. Um, have no more than two fonts. Um, I think yeah. a lot of photographers starting out, like they're like, oh, I have like the scripty one and this one and this one. And yep. you kind of have it all over the place, which makes it look mishmashed. Just have one for a headline mm-hmm. and one for a body text yep. and call it a day. It could be a serif, sans serif. Um, there's different fonts that give you different sort of feelings to it which what you feel from a font is going to be consistent with what your customers see too so just pick two that um, feel right to you and something that is um, a really good resource is google fonts because you know that those fonts are going to be available across the board you can even download them for free like there is no reason why you have to pay a lot for fonts um you know there's a lot of good free ones so you can just grab one of those yeah it is a massive library that's a great recommendation actually um there's a new brand that we're in the process of developing and we've used we've used font from google fonts for that Mm -hmm. that very brand and Mm-hmm. Yeah, to not have to go spend a hundred bucks or two or three hundred bucks to go pay for a license for a font. It's just it's so nice. So yeah, anybody listening in, if you're not familiar with it, you can literally Google Google fonts or we can link to it in the show notes as well at bocapodcast.com. It'll be another great resource. And then photos. Before we get back to color, photos. Any particular recommendations for photographers? I know photographers a lot of times will probably be like, I know what I think looks best and I'm gonna that's what I'm gonna put there on the site. But just from a practical standpoint, considering brand, do you have specific mm-hmm. recommendations? You know, um, my photographer friend told me this, which I thought was a really, really good um, example on how to pick the font. If you bought a billboard out 
you know, on the freeway that's going to have your name next to it, what photo would you use? So that's really the the way that you should approach selecting your hero photos. Mm. Um, I think that it makes sense because you're a photographer to have a photo almost be like a logo where you have that one that you kind of slap everywhere, right? It's the hero image on your website. It's the image that's going to be on the cover of your lead magnet or, you know, on the top of your invoice or something like that and have that also carry some of that recognizability weight to it and I think yeah something that feels like you it's your calling card like Mm. and having that one and then you know having a library maybe of about five or ten that you use all the time I think it's going to make your life a lot easier when you're making graphics for yourself yeah that's true I, I do like to make life easier for myself. Yeah. And I have a tendency of, of creating those kind of, it's almost like creating an email template, right? You can go and pull mm-hmm. it very quickly and use it. Mm-hmm. Um, having a library that I would suggest to photographers that they update regularly, maybe every sure. three to six months or so, just update that totally. library, but have a group of photos that they can quickly go to, to pull for ads or otherwise. I think that's, that's a great recommendation. Okay. So let's go back to colors. The top three ideas that you would suggest photographers consider when it comes to choosing the right colors for their brand. Of course. So one um, is a good color palette, right? So I think that when you have a good and well-designed palette, all the colors together create this emotional experience, right? It's not the simple like blue equals calm of color psychology, which was very trendy and it is kind of helpful, but think of it more like, an Olympic bobsled team. Like each of the colors in your palette has a role and you need them all and you need them sort of playing off of each other to make um, a really good experience for your customers when they're looking at it. And what is, so what does it look like for a photographer who probably, mm-hmm. like if you go to a website, there are any number of websites. I was actually pulling this up here. Um, the one that I've used recently is called Coolers, C-O-O-L-O-R-S. Have you heard of that before? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that site. .co. Um, they've got mm-hmm. a really great mobile app as well. And again, we'll link to all this in the show notes for um, those listening and, and watching. But it could be overwhelming, right? I mean, you, you kind of have this endless set of options to go. How do you? How do they effectively narrow down? The photographers are like, you know what? I need to update my brand colors, but I don't know where to start. What does that look mm-hmm. like practically? So. For- for specifically for photographers um, because these colors are always going to live with your photos i think the easiest way to go about it is to let your photos take the lead when you're choosing your colors like is there a specific way that you edit your photos do you punch up some colors do you tone down other colors is there an environment that you shoot at often like are you you know out in the forest all the time then like you want something that pulls the green or works with the green and considering those things when you're picking your colors will make sure that your work is highlighted in the most beautiful way. So um, I think an easy way to build a color palette of five colors, pick one signature brand color. That's gonna be the color that you use when in doubt and slap it everywhere. Um, Two colors that are gonna be playing nicely with those colors. So you call them sort of colors that are similar um, and close to each other on the color wheel, right? So if it's a blue, then a green is next to it, a purple is next to it. So two colors that work well with that. One accent color, that's going to be like the punch, right? Um, something that feels like it's going to stand out against your signature brand color. And then one neutral, call it a day. And I've got your site pulled up here again on screen. Yeah. And, and that color palette, that of course, is also behind you. What you just described, was that essentially the process that you went through in picking these colors? 
So for me, just because it's a little bit different when you have to brand as a branding studio, right? Because you're like, oh, you know, I have to make sure that people can imagine my work um, as their own. So it's a little bit more um, like varied where I do have like a rainbow of colors. Um, And the the five easy color palette that I described is the way that you as um, a person who's DIYing their brand can easily foolproof choose your brand colors. Uh, It's a little bit different too when I'm working with my clients. Some people have a smaller color palette because they have a very specific point of view um, when it comes to the visuals. And other people work better with a bigger color palette because they're colorful, vibrant, um, maybe they're a content creator and they don't want everything to look really styled and really forced. And so they might have um, a wider palette to work with. So it kind of depends from person to person. But for the most part, if you're a photographer, Um, and you have these photos that are beautiful, having a simple five color palette is going to serve you amazingly. And, and I've noticed too, and again, I'm going to pull up your website and compare it with your Instagram profile, because I noticed you've got the colors there on Mm -hmm. the homepage of your site. And then those carry over to Mm -hmm. your Instagram profile and the highlights here on your Instagram profile. And I mean, consistency is so, so important in general when it comes to branding. Will you comment on that just a little bit? Yeah, of course, because, you know, branding, if we're kind of defining it, right, is the process where you try to be distinct within your marketplace and also consistent in a way where your customers will never be um, confused when they see something like they know it's Mm. like a good example is like if you see that Facebook blue, you know, you're on Facebook, right? Like you're not going to be confused what website you are on Um, in the same way that the Pinterest owns that red and so on and so forth. Um, So when wherever that you can infuse your branding um, design, whether it's through color, it's through icons, through your photos, um, you want to sort of slap that everywhere to make sure that anybody looking at it won't ever be confused on who they're looking at. Fair enough. Um, I guess last question for you, and, and this is a really interesting one, too. I, I like that we've kind of hit a variety of elements when it, of branding. Yeah. You talk about the importance of boiling down a brand position for the sake of, or I guess ultimately boiling down a brand position and developing keywords mm-hmm. that guide decision making. And I, I don't, I don't think this is something that most photographers naturally thinking about. Can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah. So I love brand keywords. Again, you know, like we were saying, language is such a big part of what I do. And um, with my clients, what I do is boil down their brand vision into five brand keywords. I like the number five, if you haven't noticed. (laughs) Um, And what this does is it sort of guides your decisions because so much of what we do, um, especially when you're kind of picking design stuff or even when you're making a business decision, I think we get caught up in like preferences, right? Or comparison instead of strategy, right? Like, oh, I Hmm. like this template, so I'm going to get it. Or like, oh, I should get into family portraits because everyone and their mother is now doing family portraits, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) But when you, when you boil it down to these keywords, it's an easy way to sort of reference your strategy, your um, brand vision, and kind of check yourself against that. So what they are from a, you know, actual practical logistical um, point of view is adjectives that describe you, your core values, how you want your customers to describe Mm. you and your business or Mm -hmm. your work how they feel when they work with you. Um, those are the kind of things that should be included. Um, and I always recommend with my customers to, or with my clients to put up these keywords somewhere that you can see them. Actually, mine is 
over here on the side that's sort of out of frame, but so that you can always reference them and know whether you're doing something that matches up with it. So for me, it's playful, unexpected, friendly, hooray, and pretty. And that kind of just encapsulates everything that I try to do. Um, okay, before before you keep going, do you yeah. mind holding that up still a little bit? Oh, more? yeah, of course. Especially now that I heard, I was cringing a little bit as I heard it ripping as you were pulling it off the wall. Oh, no, it's okay. It's just paint, um, painter's tape. Okay, good. So will you comment just briefly on how you chose those particular words and how it's a reflection of you and your brand? Yeah, of course. So playful. Um, you know, I don't like to take things seriously. And if you haven't, <laughs> no if you haven't noticed from this interview, um, yeah. I'm not a very serious person. Um, I love it. So I have that unexpected. Um, I love having with my design and with my work, having these com um, combinations and things offsetting things like, oh, you thought this color palette was very girly. Well, let's throw in this like shade of blue that's going to um, balance it out. And I love having those sort of um, combination. So that sort of speaks a little bit to my work friendly, the way that I want to um, give the best sort of customer experience mm -hmm. with my clients, right? Mm -hmm. Like being friendly, being their friend. Hooray. I think with the work that I do, which is um, rebranding, it's a really big business decision and it's a really big sort of um, celebratory moment for them. So I want to remember that that's what I'm being a part of, right? Yeah. These yeah. joyful moments with them. And pretty because, you know, what I make, I want to make pretty things and got to make sure that it's driving that stuff and it's smart, but that it's pretty too. I love it. Okay. That, I yeah. really appreciate you sharing that because it's a, it's a yeah. nice reflection on kind of how you think. And I have to say, I love the direction you were going talking about the significance of words and how that should relate to decision making. I talk mm -hmm. about this on, on the podcast when we discuss brand position and how brand position isn't just some random kind of pretty words that we just throw on the site for the sake of throwing on the site that yeah. really a brand position should represent how it is that we're spending most of our time as a business. This is what our brand is about. So pretty much everything should revolve around that. And and yeah. I like that you're echoing that because I think that's really, really important. There should be some intention behind the words that we choose for our brand. Yeah, totally, totally. And then you could kind of lean on those words, right? Like I like to say that these are going to be your North Star guiding yeah. you through it. Absolutely. Like when you're like say that you have a business decision and you're like, oh, you know, do I do this, right? You look back at your words and does it describe that and does it really reflect that? And it's a cheat sheet, right? And yep. it's kind of nice to have that with you. Yeah. I, just a very quick question from YouTube. Um, this person says, what if you're trying to, from Tell It Well Photography, what if you're trying to aim for more of a higher income luxury audience? And I'm not sure if this was directed toward copy or colors. Maybe mm -hmm. you can just briefly comment on both. Yeah. So if you are, and you know, one thing again, that as we're talking about this personality and infusing yourself in it, make sure that you find within yourself um, a way to serve that luxury client, what that means to you. Right. Mm. So, you know, when you're serving the luxury client, like that makes it seem like, oh yeah, they have money, which is great too. Right. But how do you serve, how do you serve them and how do you fill a need for that market? Is it because your work is like gallery worthy, right? Or is it because you have an amazing attention to detail that they are going to love because that's what they expect from you? Um, understanding what it is that you bring to that particular market that you're trying to serve is going to help you with sort of the strategy bit of it, right? The back end part of it. Um, the way that that can manifest in uh, colors would be, you know, look at other luxury brands. Don't just stay within your industry, but look at, you know, what does Chanel look like? What does 
um, you know, fashion brands look like, what does luxury car services look like, and you yeah. kind of get an idea of that yeah. um, because you are competing for your customers, not just within your industry, but within that whole sort of tier, if you will. That makes sense. Right. Yeah. And then um, what was the other part we were talking well, about? Well, just like luxury. Keywords. So key, keywords yeah. or, or copy, mm-hmm. but then also colors. This, this, this colors or how we choose colors affect, mm-hmm. or is it affected, I should say, by the market that we're going after? Depends, right? Because the market is, you know, a big sort of generic way that we're kind of seeing um, our particular, like, is it income level that we're looking at? Is it mm. a particular lifestyle we're looking at? And so understanding very specifically who within that luxury market and why that luxury market, and then also who you are within that luxury market is really mm-hmm. going to sort of drive that. I, I have a lot of respect, Lisa, for the oh. theme that, that you've brought to our conversation today, which is intentionality. And, and in some ways, I guess it's kind of a cliche word that gets thrown around, but I've just not heard a lot of it in conversations around branding. So I love oh. that you bring that as a focus and as a priority to the conversation, because it would be very easy, again, just to kind of be pretty and throw some nice words and some pretty colors and some pretty photos and just you know hope that it sticks. But actually thinking about why it is we're doing what we're doing... In in the case of going after a high-end client, what it is that we actually bring, what value proposition we actually bring to that market and actually being able to speak to that, the the level of intentionality that you brought to the conversation, I think is super important. I also think that you're just a really good teacher. And so, by the way, for anybody listening in, Lisa didn't ask me to do this, but I'd love, um, Lisa, for you just to share briefly the the kind of consultation services that you offer to the photography industry or just business owners in general when it comes to branding. What kind of services do you offer? Oh, thank you. You're so nice. Um, yeah, so I do a full service branding. So what um, I do is I, you know, take what your um, business is and I try to glean, you know, what your brand vision would be and then how that reflects into your um, branding design. So I do a full service um, logo suite, color fonts, um, understanding what that design looks like, as well as ways to implement that in um, your business and then also website design as well. So just kind of making sure that you look the part and that you look the way that you should look and that it's perfectly you. Cool. And we'll, of course, make sure to, to link to your website um, in the show notes, alettestudio.com, alettestudio on Instagram. And uh, Tell It Well Photography kind of sums up our conversation well. Uh, they said, thank you so much for the great response. And really, uh, it's just such practical advice, very easy to listen to and follow. And, and I really appreciate you making time um, to share with, with all of our listeners today. This has been really nice. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun. Well, and again, for everybody listening in, uh, for those watching as well, make sure that you go to Alette, and I've got this up on the screen, alettestudio.com, and then follow Lisa as well, Alette Studio. Yeah, right over there. You got it. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect. Thanks again, Lisa. I really appreciate it. Everybody have a wonderful day. Have a good one. Thank you.